and welcome to another edition of Trawler Talk, the podcast of Pastors Maker Magazine, the long-range cruising authority. I'm your host, Jeff Moser. This podcast is sponsored by the Anacortes Boat and Yacht Show. Adventures begin here at the Anacortes Boat and Yacht Show featuring Trawler Fest May 18th through 20th in Anacortes, Washington. This year's show features an impressive in-water selection of new and pre-owned boats of all sizes, from your favorite brands, dealers, brokers, and exhibitors, all in one place. The event will also feature Trawler Fest, which starts on May 16th, with our first-class seminars and demonstrations, as well as opportunities to share adventures with fellow cruisers, industry experts, and perhaps even your favorite passage maker editor. This is an in-water show not to be missed, brought to you by the Northwest Marine Trade Association, Active Interest Media Marine Group, and the Anacortes Chamber of Commerce. For more information, please visit anacortesboatandyachtshow.com. Now, here's our podcast. So I'm here at Pete Fredrickson, who's down in Stewart, Florida for the winter, and uh, I hope to winter sometime as a verb in my life in the future. But um, for those of us in the Northeast and are launching in the spring and uh, may have made our vessels out of the water for a while, what are the first steps, Pete, that you do to take in the new season? Well, Jeff, you know, in the um, in terms of like spring launches or, I mean, even in Florida, there's that launch date when the boat goes in the water for the first time. Mm-hmm or it comes out of the water for, you know, mid-season work or whatever. But I think that the most important thing for anyone with a boat that's putting their boat in the water and it's been out of the water for a while, whether it's a day, whether it's a week, whether it's a month, is to confirm that anything that was done to the boat by the boatyard, by an outside mechanic, an outside vendor, Verify that all that work was done and it's completed. You know, a lot of times people do plumbing work and they forget there's hoses and bills and they forget. Mm -hmm. And you don't always know about it until you hear water rushing in when they're dropping your boat in the water. And it causes a lot of confusion, panic, and it just really sets you back. So I always remind people that no matter what was done and no matter what they say they did, you really should confirm it with your own eyes and ears to make sure that it was done and it was done properly. You know, sometimes people take off ground wires to make room to get into the bilge and then they forget to put them back on. Almost anything can happen once the boat comes out of the water and people get on it and things get done to it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, to me, that's the most important thing. Don't be in a rush to put the boat in the water until you've confirmed that everything that was done is done to your satisfaction and that there's no questions about, you know, what the job was or that it was done properly. Great. Great. Okay. So you talk to the yard, the yard manager, you communicate with them throughout the process and you're, you then confirm that everything is complete. So where do you start that inspection before you drop the boat in the water? Well, again, um, just to reiterate, it, it's, it's very, very important that, there's a lot of communication between the work that gets done in the boatyard because the service writer that may take the order isn't the one that necessarily does the work. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of communication that needs to go back. Most problems in the boatyard occur from a lack of communication, either from the owner to the customer, back and forth and so on and so on. So you can save yourself a lot of headaches. But what I like to do, if I'm putting the boat in the water, obviously I'm going to check everything that's in the engine room, anything where water is coming into the boat, the through-haul fittings, making sure that the bilge pumps are working, making sure that 
Um, the wires are, there's no loose wires, no loose hoses. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything is tight. And then at that point, you know, for the most part, you're probably ready to go in, but I would go one step further and do a quick walk around mm-hmm. the boat before it goes in the water. Yeah. You know, sometimes boats that have plastic fittings, uh, they look like they last forever and they look like they're, they're great. They could have cracks in them that you're not going to know until water starts to flow out from them. And um, as a habit, if uh, I like to go around sometimes with a little pen knife and just run it on the inside of that through hole on the outside where it comes through the boat, just to make sure that that knife doesn't get stuck in a crack or something is in there. Um, there's also a possibility that if the boat's been out of the water for several months, birds could have gotten into the vents. Um, and things, the strangest things can happen. Uh, I know friends that do a lot of boating in the Midwest, sometimes they have animals that climb in their exhaust stacks or exhaust ports rather when, uh, you know, during the winter because they forgot to close them up and you really can't tell without giving a hard look that there's not something in there. So you don't want those surprises. You want it to be uneventful is what I say always about a launching, but you know, I'm going to, it's an inboard boat. I want to check the propellers and make sure the um, if they're zincs, they've been replaced, they're tight. I want to make sure that the cutlass bearings are in good shape. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't necessarily tell looking at a cutlass bearing, but if you look at it carefully, the cutlass bearing is the, the rubber insert or the composite unit that fits inside the shaft. It's the, uh, the rudder port as well as the strut, and the shaft slides through that. Now, that enables the propeller shaft to have ample support. And if you look at the bottom, sometimes you can see that that rubber insert has been crushed, which would indicate that it's worn. And uh, at that point, I'd give the propeller a nice shake and make sure that you can turn it and that there's no wobbling. If there is possibility that when you put the boat back in the water, you'll start out noticing some vibration caused by that cutlass bearing being worn out. And that typically means the boat has to come back out of the water again, and you're going through this uh, procedure a second time that actually should have been checked. And, of course, if it happens to one side of the boat, one engine, it better check the other one as well. And similarly with the uh, bearing in the rudder port, if it's an inboard boat, mm-hmm. it's not typically – they don't do nearly as much um, you know, revolving the way a propeller shaft does, but you can have a steady leak through a rudder port and it's, um, it can be tightened up sometimes. Maybe somebody loosened it, but you don't want to have any water in the boat. It's, it's, something, it's something to avoid at all costs. The other thing I like to do, especially with the bottom, it's really important that any of the fittings that allow water to come into the boat to cool the engines, the generator, the air conditioners, these are outside, um, uh, outside ports that are exposed to seawater. And if those fittings have clogs in any of the uh, orifices that let the water in, it could restrict the amount of cooling water that goes in, and it can typically lead to a lot of um, headaches as the season goes on. Sometimes in boat yards, they don't bother to do much with those fittings except to give them a coat of paint. But if the paint starts to clog up those holes, it's going to restrict the amount of flow that's going in to cool the engine and other um, accessories. And it will get worse as the water gets warmer. But 
one of those things that if you don't check it before the boat goes in, you don't find out until you have a problem later on. Um, It's important always, of course, to make sure um, in the lazarette and also in the engine room that um, all of the bilge pumps and the float switches are working. Uh, Lift each float switch, hear it suck, make sure it's working, even if it's only pulling air, but you want to be sure that it's working. And of course, a lot of boats have a garboard drain plug, which is a mm-hmm. you know a little brass drain or stainless steel fitting that is designed to drain any water that lays in the bilge when it's out of the water. It's important to make sure it goes in place when the boat goes in, because I've seen people with uh, boats and re- launching ramps sometimes have a panic attack that somebody forgot something and the water is gushing in like a geyser. So, um, but also. Again, going back to the point about taking your time, it's it's important to make sure that your batteries are charged, your um, fire extinguisher are in place, mm-hmm. and um, all of your drive belts, your engine mounts, hoses, shafts, and seals, everything should be tight. Mm-hmm. And um, you don't want to rush that because a couple of minutes can save you hours and a lot of money if something were to go wrong. Yeah, those are good points. You know, you start... Uh, do your inspection around the boat, then maybe into the lazarette and the engine room while the boat's in the slings. And now that the boat's out of the slings and you're ready to uh, move on to the next step, uh, what else can you do before, you know, you start to fire up those engines? Well, as far as, um, you know, by this point, you're probably ready. But when the boat goes in the water, you know, if there's a hose off, you'll hear the water rushing in. And before they let you out of the slings, you know, you need to find out where that's coming in and make sure that they don't dump you in. You know, unfortunately, springtime, everybody's in a rush. And a typical boatyard, those guys are working, you know, from sun up to sundown. They're trying to get boats ready. People want to get them in the water. A lot of times it's a weekend, a lot of traffic. Uh, everyone's anxious to get going, and nobody wants to get your boat in the water more than the yard because they want you to sail away and you know, get paid for the work that they did. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you don't want to rush something. And, and don't. It's, when it's your turn to go in, it's your responsibility to make sure that you're ready to go. Um, one thing I often do if, if my boat, uh, one of my boats has twin engines, one only has a single engine. But the twin engine boat, I start up one engine at a time. And I just make sure that it's running properly. There's no leaks. And um, it's water's pumping out the back, and everything is normal. If that engine is is running properly and the alternator gauge is coming up, everything is running properly. Uh, I'll run that boat, that engine, for a few moments, okay. and shut it down, and then start up the other engine, so that I'm not distracted from the noise of one engine that causes me to miss something on the other engine. Um, if the other engine is fine, you know, then you could start up both engines and you're pretty much at that point ready to go. Um, if if it's a, um, a single engine, of course, it's, you know, half the trouble. But it's um, when that moment of truth comes, when they're ready to set you free, you want to be sure you're going and you're not going, you're going away. You're not going down, so to speak. So it's important to be able to do that. Um, and then once the boat is in the water and you're backing away from the, um, the slings, you just want to take your time again. You know, a lot of times boat yards, they don't have the best amount of uh, fenders or bumpers in the well 
and you just want to be sure that you're not going to scratch your paint, scratch your gel coat, or scratch anything, you know, sliding out of there. So it's, again, important to just take your time, and, and you know, you're going to go boating for sure, but don't rush it until you're sure that everything is well. Um, and then I would say also, um, you know, when you pull away from the slip, make sure that your transmissions are working. You've got forward, neutral, and reverse. Don't be in a rush to bolt away from the dock. Just proceed at an idle speed. Uh, make sure that your steering is tight. And, um, you know, at that point, you can do your slip, or if you're going to take it for a sea trial, I like to take for a sea trial right after the boat goes in the water, of course, to make sure that everything is running mechanically sound. And, uh, you know, then I can enjoy the rest of the day when I get it back to the dock. Yeah, it's a good point. And also there's a, you got to make sure your boat's, you know, legal registration, flares, well, it's lights. Impor it's important. And there's so many things that over the winter you forget, whether it's the date on the, uh, uh, on the uh, flares, or the, whether you have all the life jackets on the boat, the registration, the numbers. Um, a lot of times people, uh, they, they wait to do that, and if they don't do it when they should, they wait and wait and wait, and next thing you know, they forgot, and then they're getting pulled over by, you know, the Coast Guard or the state police or somebody, and they're looking for registration, and, yeah, you know, exactly where you left it, on your dresser at all, and it's up to date and everything, but it just is, um, it's not the best way to start a season, so you really want your boat to be up to um, up to speed with everything that, uh you know, is set. Now, once you get back to the dock after that, there's a whole host of other exercises that you have to do. You know, your fresh water system needs to be refilled or clean. You have to get rid of that non-toxic, that pink water, get rid of that. Um, you've got all the different systems on the boat, all the sinks, the showers, the freshwater washdowns, all of those things have to be flushed out pretty good. And it's important to um, do that thoroughly, but also to make sure that the water that you're pumping out is good. Some marinas have less than stellar water, so sometimes it's better if you wait till you get back to your own dock where you know the water is, uh, you know, the way you want it to be. But it's also, um, it gives you a chance, too, to record any um, things that aren't working. It's not uncommon over the winter for things to happen, uh, even though, Boats get winterized properly. Sometimes you can miss one thing. You can miss a line that could freeze, and then you have a leak. And if you have a boat that has a freshwater system that allows you to plug in a hose right from the dock, mm -hmm. and now you're getting dockside water pressure at 32 pounds, if there's a leak inside there, you're going to fill up that boat in a hurry if you don't get on top of it right away. So... Um, Again, that, that kind of methodical way of going through all the systems in your boat prevents you from a lot of headaches later on or, God, worse than that, getting a call from the marina saying, hey, you know, your boat's uh, it's a problem. You better get down here. Oof. It's been known to happen, too. I don't want to get that call. So let's go back to that first sea trial, right? Uh, yes, sir. Boat's legal. You checked everything. You're in the lazarette. You're in the engine room. Everything from belts to... Uh, engine mounts, wires, your fire extinguisher there, your batteries are charged. What are you looking for during that first sea trial? Whether you know you're, and how long do you generally run? Well, some you know sometimes you never want to come back to the dock. It's funny, 
But what what I like to do is I'm I'm a uh, I'm, I'm, I forget the term of it, but I, I keep a lot of notes on my boat, mm-hmm. so I know where all of my um, where my alternator gauge reads, where my water temperatures read, the fuel pressure, the oil pressure, all those things. They have to, you know, they have to be right. So the first thing I'm going to do is pull out my book mm-hmm. and put it on the dash. And when I start doing anything, I want to make sure that all those numbers come into play. When it's cold and the water's cold, um, it takes a little while for the engine to heat up. Mm-hmm. So it's a good thing to kind of just jog away from the dock at idle speed or, you know, displacement speed until you're, you see everything coming up to operating temperatures. Um, you, you have bothered to, uh, you know, you've checked your fuel filters, you know, they're right. Your fuel is turned on. So you're ready now to just idle away. But I like to get away from, um, I like to get away from the marina if I'm going to do any kind of running, cause I want to be able to put the boat up on plane. I want to make sure that everything is running properly and you want to get away from the no wake zones, the smaller boats so that you can concentrate on what you're doing. Um, the other problem is that sometimes in the spring uh, some areas don't always have all of the markers that are needed for the channels so unless you're really familiar with the area um, even if you have a plotter it doesn't mean anything if the markers aren't where they're supposed to be and they don't have to be there so you have to pay attention to what you're doing the better you can get away from the crowds the more you can concentrate on what you want to do and for that point you know, you could run run the engines, get up to operating temperature, notice how fast you're going. Does that sound familiar with the kind of speed you got the year before? It should be a little bit better probably because the boat's a little bit lighter at this point. But also, you know, your your uh, bottom is clean mm-hmm. and you're basically kind of just checking off the box to make sure that all your systems are A-OK and, you know, ready to go and enjoy. Um, you know, at that point, of course, it's always – good idea to make sure that your anchor is in shape your anchor is working you some people take that equipment off the boat in the winter time a lot of people leave it on um but if you haven't looked at that anchor road in a while it may be kind of musty looking or smelly and um you just want to make sure that it if you need it it's going to work uh similarly with the fire extinguisher that we mentioned make sure they're in place not just rolling around somewhere your flares are where they need to be. Your life jackets are put away. And, um, you know, you're going to go out and take a nice little pleasure ride and enjoy yourself. Yeah, good point about the windlass. You know, even if you have, if you have one of those that, you know, are electronic, you want to make sure that thing can it, – it's functioning as well because sometimes you may need it and it doesn't and, work. And, and also it's very important to make sure that if your anchor is attached to your pulpit or however it's installed, that you have a safety line on that that's uh, connected to a dedicated cleat so that anchor can never slip down. Uh-huh. Um, there have been instances where some boaters have had their anchor pop out and they run over it. And, you know, they've got a problem at the front and a problem at the back of the boat at the same time. So something as simple as that. Um, I, it's one of my peculiar habits to walk down the dock. Whenever I look at an anchor, I look to see if there's a safety line attached to it. Uh-huh. And um, it's there for a reason to prevent that kind of an incident. And um, similarly, if you're going to, um, if you have an anchor windlass, it's a good idea to make sure that it does work. And again, this is something you could do away from other boats, drop your anchor, make sure it goes down, Mm -hmm. make sure it comes up. Um, Sometimes um, a lot of dirt or debris can get 
you know, it winds its way into that anchor road compartment. And um, it's not a bad idea to take out all of that anchor line when you have a nice day, rinse it off, dry it off, and put it back in. And if for some reason your boat's equipped with chain, it's also very important to loosen up that chain because sometimes the weight of the chain can really kind of tie itself up in knots and make it difficult uh, when it's supposed to uh, go into its free-falling mode, you know, leaving the windlass. So um, it's not a good idea to have any equipment that you're not sure it works, no matter what you have. Make sure it works. Make sure you know how it works. And if it doesn't, make a note and put it on your list of things to do because it's important. The yeah. day you need that anchor is the day you need the anchor. Yeah, and it sounds like um... – yeah, that's really important. I I agree with you about that. Let's get that anchor wrote, note right on the um, on the dock. Rinse it off. Let it dry. Make sure the chain is not kinked up, and um, you'll know it's going to work for the next time. But uh, so and, and it's also it's also a good mm-hmm. thing to make sure that you check the the shackles and the thimbles. Um, over time, they can um, they, they, things can happen to them, you know. And sometimes uh, I had an anchor chain once that had peculiar crack in it that I just happened to see because I, I would paint it every year and I realized that there was some kind of a there, there was something wrong with it and I couldn't really I, I couldn't make it break I couldn't do anything but I got rid of it anyway because I didn't trust it mm-hmm. and any type of safety here needs to be in the condition that you can trust it and if there's any hesitation it's probably you decided it already get rid of it and replace it because you don't want a surprise like that and, um, you know, unfortunate things can happen on a boat. And when they do, being prepared says the big, you know, tells the whole story the way you want it to be, that everything worked out okay. You know, it's just an inconvenience or a minor malfunction. But you don't want to take a chance with people's lives, their fingers, their hands, anything like that. And windlasses or, or that they can be a problem with sometimes. And they're not, um, they're not friendly to human limbs. For sure. That's true. You hear that? If you're painting your, uh, you don't have a chain counter and you're painting your chain, it's a great time to give that thing a real close inspection. This podcast is sponsored by the Anacortes Boat and Yacht Show featuring Trawler Fest May 18th through 20th in Anacortes, Washington. For more information, please visit anacortesboatandyachtshow.com. Now back to our podcast. So let's move on. You, uh, your maiden voyage goes well. You come back to the dock, and you may be a little rusty, but you get in the slip, you tie up, um, and the season's beginning. So what, from now on, you know, everything seemed to work out okay. What What is it important to keep an eye on as the season progresses? What would you say? Well, I just say one of the things is to consider your the lines you use to tie the boat to the dock. And the reason I say this is because in some places, people leave their lines out all winter long. Um, lines have... They, they last a really long time, but if the line is old and stiff, it's hard for someone to handle, and it makes it difficult to, um, you know, cast it off the boat to get it back on the boat. So you really need to look at your dock lines. Make sure that there's no problems with any of the splices. Uh, dock line is relatively cheap. It lasts a long time, but sometimes it needs to go away, and and that's something that you should be aware of. Similarly. Um, if you're going into a dock for the first time, maybe a new dock, you're probably going to need new lines, new spring lines, new bow lines, and new stern lines. Um, people have their own way of tying up their boat. Some people like to put a loop around the piling 
and tie the bitter end of the line to the bow cleat. I kind of like to tie the, um, depending on where I am, if it's a spring line, I like to have it a loop to loop. And the reason being is the spring line is that line that's going to keep you from moving forward or moving backwards. And it's a very, very important line. That's the one that's going to prevent you from banging your swim platform into the dock if it doesn't catch. So the spring line is something that I always prefer a loop and loop it right onto the cleat and zip, zip, it is done. And the other thing is it's important to mark all your dock lines with uh, a piece of tape. Maybe you put a piece of black tape, a piece of red tape. If it's uh, you know a port line, maybe green on the starboard side, whatever. But the idea is that if someone on your boat is going to get the lines for you, they need to know where that line is. So if you have a piece of tape a couple of inches um, right before the front of the cleat, you could tell your friend or whatever that, you know, when the piece of tape gets right in front of the cleat, that's where you start to wrap it around. This way it always goes to the right place all the time. Um, that's a good tip. In the back of the boat, it's a little bit tricky sometimes because a lot of boats don't have the best accessibility to the cleats. And I get nervous sometimes when I see people trying to step out on a swim platform to grab a line. So um, it doesn't hurt to, um, if you're not happy with the way your procedure works, take a walk on the dock and look at the way other people do it. And they give you an idea of the best way to tie that stern properly. And I guess most importantly is that with uh, one of my boats, I tie side two. So my lines, I, I don't have any lines on the uh, starboard side. Everything's on the port side. So when I come in, all of those lines are positioned when I leave them on the dock, almost at the length where they need to attach to the cleat when I bring the boat alongside. So there's little tricks you can use to make it convenient. And again, it's very, very helpful if you're in a situation where you have to take the boat out by yourself or you have someone that's not really sure about walking up to the bow. Not everybody has, you know, sea legs, and you have to kind of keep that in mind. And you don't want to get into a situation where you're yelling at someone about how to tie it up. So it's the operator's responsibility to really make sure that all of those little tricks are taken care of. It makes them look a lot better when they're docking the boat, too. Yeah. But um, it's just a safe way. Um, and I guess the, the other uh, important thing is always to remind your guests that when they're on the boat and you're leaving the slip, keep your hands inside the boat. Um, if, if there's a, you know, a nail or an eye where you can lag the um, line onto it when you're leaving, that's great. But you really, people can get hurt trying to push a boat off a piling. And it's something that totally unnecessary, never should happen. Unfortunately, it does. So if um, I know people talk about seamanship and docking and all that, but a lot of seamanship really begins right there at the dock before you even leave. And these are the things that really make you shine as a skipper. And, and, and you, you build, you know, you just make yourself that much stronger and confident when you're going out there because you know that everything is ship shape. Yeah. You learn a lot from those situations. And uh, I mean, a lot of our readers are going to be in transient slips uh, a lot of the season, whether they're doing the great loop or whether they're traveling to other places, uh, 
you set up the lines on your boat, just like you spoke about earlier, you set the lines up on your boat that you're traveling with, with those markers, and that'll certainly help as well, won't it? Yes. And the other thing, too, is it's important as, as an operator, uh, I think sometimes when I get on boats with people and I'm helping them, you know, they, I would say to them, you know, we're, we're coming, we're going to the fuel dock. Do we have lines here? Yeah, we got there. They're in the back. Well, the back of a boat could be any number of places, you know, but also um, it's a good idea if you're going to travel that you have a set of traveling lines that are, you know, maybe of certain length and they can handle any situation that you come upon, but they're dedicated, they're marked so that you can tell someone, get the blue line, get the red, so on and so on. Yeah. But the more help that you can give someone, remember, an, a, some experienced boater has a lot of time on the water, but not everyone that you bring on the boat does. Mm -hmm. And it could be their first time on the boat. Um, they may be nervous about being on the boat. You know, they hear alarms going off that tell you everything's operating. It makes them a little nervous because they don't know what it is. So, um, the operator really has a responsibility to all of his passengers as well as himself to make sure that everything goes according to plan. So, you know, fenders are another thing. And, and you know, people sometimes putting out a fender, whether it's a ball fender or whether it's the fenders that have the line coming through, mm -hmm. sometimes people don't know that that line goes all the way through and it's not, there's not a knot to hold it in place. Um, everyone can tell a story of someone that threw an anchor over and the line went with it and then it was never tied off to the boat. So these are the things that is as fundamental as they are to an experienced boater. Your experience really shows when you can teach someone about this and make them more cognizant of, of what's going on. It just makes for a better day for everyone on the water. So um, I always prefer to have, you know, the fenders are in the back of the boat where they belong lines are in the back of the boat and when you approach a dock for the first time it's always always a good idea before you get too close to put both of your engines or one engine in reverse to make sure you have reverse don't rely on it working the last time that it's going to work again this time i mean i do that a lot of my boats are single engine so i don't have a choice <laughs> i have to know before i commit that um i have to figure out another way to get in if i don't have reverse so um, those are um, that's an important fact. And the other thing is what that does is that kind of stops the boat's forward momentum. So it, it can be a little challenging when you're coming into a dock if you're coming in uh, too fast. So if you pull the boat out of gear and check reverse, it kind of stalls you there in place for a couple of seconds just to stop your headway. And then when you re-engage the uh, transmission, you know, you're coming in at idle speed. Some people, you know, they 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 just would have much easier time that they approach docking with a little more patience as opposed to trying to get it done as quickly as possible. <laughs> That's a good tip there. Um, okay, so it's the dead of summer, right? And you've been boating for a few months now, and everything seems to be going swimmingly. But uh, what is important, and this will make, we'll make this the last thing, What's what are you keeping an eye on as the season progresses? Uh, as far as tr well, some trouble, you know, some things that could be trouble later. There's a couple of things. Like, yeah. For example, um, navigation lights. A lot of people never use them. Um, there's a switch there that says nav lights. Well, flip it on and see what happens. Do, do the lights work? They might not work. 
uh, typically the lighting wire is very thin. It's exposure to uh, the atmosphere, caused corrosion, so on and so on. But it's not uncommon. Um, you know, people think that they need their nav lights when it gets dark, and that's not the whole story. You're required to run navigation lights um, from, you know, sundown to sun up, but also in periods of reduced visibility. Reduced visibility could be rain, it could be fog, it could be snow, it could be anything. But remember that the navigation light is, is the only way that another boat can see you and see where you're going. You know, they could tell if they see the port light or the starboard light, which, which direction you're heading. So yeah. you cannot um, assume that all of these things are going to work. Um, if you ever go by a commercial fishing dock, it's very common to see commercial fishermen. They leave their running lights on. They leave their radar on. They never shut anything off. Yeah, I noticed that. And, and the, reason, the reason being is that what's going to break is the switch, not the light itself. But when you think about where a light goes, you know, from a wire goes from the battery to the switch, then the switch to the light bulbs and so on. It's traveling all through the boat. Even with, um, you know, a lot of these um, modern systems today do away with a lot of this wiring and stuff. You still need to know that it's making a connection and you're not going to know. And even if it's making a connection, the bulb might burn out. Um, bulbs have a habit of, um, because they're in that little confined area, they're exposed to spray, they're exposed to fresh water, and they corrode. And if the contacts corrode, you're not going to have a good um, way to make connection to provide power to light it. So the old habit of, you know, if your light doesn't work, you smack it. That works once or twice, but it, it's not always going to get you through. So um, it's I, as a rule, often run my running lights, even on a good day, just to dry them out. And that's something that is pretty good to do and what happens too at the end of the day someone will remind you oh you know your lights are on and you're like oh yeah okay thanks for reminding me mm -hmm. but you know you just taught yourself something that you know that they work mm -hmm. so you want to make sure that your nav lights are working you want to make sure that um all of your bilge pumps are working you know most people have an idea of how many times a bilge pump kicks on like i know on my boats they, they should never be on unless if I wash the boat and some water got into the bilge, maybe. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, I I don't rely on my bilge pump pumping to know it's working. I want to go down there in the bilge, wander around, and flip up that float switch on a regular basis. Again, the, the float switch, the automatic float switch, sometimes is an auxiliary to the pump. Sometimes it's related and connected directly to the pump. But there's a lot of wires. There's a lot of connections. And the bilge of a boat, the lazarette of a boat, is a pretty miserable place for a lot of important equipment, you know, including the engines, including the batteries, including the fresh water system. So you, you need to go down there once in a while and look around and play with things. Maybe you don't have to do it all the time, but if you have a day when you're not going out on the boat, it doesn't hurt to open up a hatch, let some fresh air get through the boat, wander around and just see. You'll be surprised at what you find. You know, it's, a lot of times you find things like pieces of tape floating in the bilge. Like, I wonder where that came from. Well, before long, you're going to find out that that piece of wire was attached to some repair that was made that now has the wire being exposed to the atmosphere, and the wire's all green. And and guess what? It might not work when you need it. So, <laughs> you know, time that's spent on the boat 
doing odds and ends is really time well spent. And it really makes a difference when you go out on the boat because everything on it works. You know, one of the best things, when I bring boats back and forth from Florida to uh, up north, the, the best thing I like to tell people is I never had to open up my toolbox because everything worked, you know, and that's, uh, you know, that that's, it says a lot about the boat and the way it's taken care of. Yeah, you know, you'd rather be doing, you'd rather be in the lazarette in your engine room at the dock than at a Absolutely. sea. Absolutely. Yeah. And that one last thing before we go, and that reminds me of uh, your fuel filters, how important it is when you're, when, you're, when you're taking fuel from, you know, not your hometown marina or some uh, spot that you know, there could be problems with uh, some water in that fuel. It's always a problem. And, um, you know, fuel is one of those, uh, fuel is like the unsung hero in, in the marine industry. It gets us everywhere. Um, it's critical to always have clean fuel going to your fuel system. And water can get in, dirt can get in. And oftentimes, um, if people try to run their boat and, you know, squeeze every last ounce of fuel out of it before they replenish their supply, they run the risk of stirring loose any debris that's in the bottom of the fuel tank. And in turn, that works its way into the fuel filters, which is, you know, aiming right toward whether it's an injection pump, whether it's a carburetor, but the fuel has to be pristine. And generally, fuel filters are based on a, a what's called a micron rating, 30 micron, 20 micron, 10 micron. Mm -hmm. But a micron is about the thickness of a human hair. So it gives you an idea of the ability that it has to clean the fuel. But when that filter gets dirty, it doesn't have that same staying power. And the more fuel you'll try to run through it, the harder it works. And occasionally pieces get by. Um, you know, you can lose power right before your eyes. So you might be coming in an inlet and all of a sudden your engine cuts out for no apparent reason. And it's because of a clogged filter or something happened. And at that point, you know, you, you, your whole story of the day on the water just changed from a great day to, well, I'm not sure how it's going to end yet. <laughs> but um, that's just something that, you know, I always recommend people not let their fuel get too low. Um, and also, there's a common rule that they say a third, third, the one-third rule about fuel. Okay. You use a third to go where you're going, a third to get back, and a third for a spare. But not all boats have a, uh, a fuel system that has a calculator on there that tells you how much actual fuel is in your system and how many gallons you have left before you're empty. But the key is you never want to let your fuel get too low because it just really can cause a problem. Not maybe today, but it may set the wheels in motion for um, fuel that may get contaminated later on and you do have a problem. So it's um, fuel filters should be changed generally when you change the oil or thereabouts, but it should be done on a regular basis. One way you can find out if you have a fuel problem in a hurry, and it's a it's a little um, it, it's it's an okay way to do it, but it's with not without concern. And that is that um, I, I was bringing a boat up from Florida, and the filters that I had on the boat it was a diesel boat, mm -hmm. and I had been running it at uh, twenty six hundred RPM all day, and it was running fine all day all day twenty six hundred. Mm -hmm. But when I got within about thirty minutes of the marina, I decided I'm going to open it up. I want to see what you know what I got. I couldn't go any faster. The engines turned up to 3,000, 
And when I got in at the dock, I knew right away I got a fuel problem in the making. I know I didn't have a fuel problem yet, but I did have it in the making because if my engine couldn't turn up, you know, today I had 2,600. Maybe the next day I was only going to get 2,500 or 2,400. But it was, you know, a cautionary tale that said this needs to be done right away. So when I got the boat into the dock, I got my, you know, my filters out and I changed the filter. And sure enough, when I drained the filter, it had some junk in it. And it was the kind of filter that you, it wasn't a glass dome filter that you could actually see the fuel. Uh, yeah. So it was just something that, but the point being, I could have gone the next day I was planning to run in the ocean. And I'm glad that I found out that day before that my filters needed to be changed. The next day it was a great day in part because I was smart enough to make that change. And I, and I, you know, I learned my lesson, but those are the little lessons you learn. Every time you go on a boat, you learn a new lesson about something. No matter what you know, you can always learn something new, and that's what makes boating so much fun. Oh, well said, Pete. And uh, yeah, there's always a surprise out there, whether it's good or bad. There's always going to be a surprise every day on the water. Let's uh, you follow this advice. Let's hope it stays good, right? That's what we try to do. You know, just just check, make sure your your you know your your true hull fittings are old, but just make sure everything is running. You you should know it's running good before you leave the dock. Huh. And um, it's just something that, you know, you, you, you become used to doing it. Um, it doesn't make you um, a slow poke because you're going to take a couple of extra minutes to check. But, uh, you know, I remember people that had a habit of always, they would shut off their seacocks to the engine when they left the boat. And I, I never do. I open them up. I keep them open because if, you're, if there was a fire at the dock and somebody wanted to get your boat away from the dock, and your seacocks were closed to cool the engine. Your engine would overheat before you got away. You, 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 it's, you know, the seacock is designed to be open all the time. Yeah. You know, you only close it when you want to change those filters or whatever. So those little things that, you know, they come from experience, they come from learning, but um, it's not rocket science. It's just paying attention and, you know, being a good operator and good captain and, you know, a good person on the water. That's what it's about, Pete. Well, uh, thanks for your time today, Pete, and I'll, I'll see you out there. Thanks, Jeff. You have a great day on the water. Be safe. All right, Pete. Once again, our podcast is sponsored by the Anacortes Boat and Yacht Show featuring Trawler Fest. Adventures begin at the Anacortes Boat and Yacht Show featuring Trawler Fest, May 18th through 20th in Anacortes, Washington. This year's show features an impressive in-water selection of new and pre-owned boats of all sizes from your favorite brands, dealers, brokers, and exhibitors, all in one place. The event will also feature Trawler Fest, which starts on May 16th, with our first-class seminars and demonstrations, as well as opportunities to share adventures with fellow cruisers and industry experts. This is an in-water show not to be missed, brought to you by the Northwest Marine Trade Association, Active Interest Media Marine Group, and the Anacortes Chamber of Commerce. For more information, please visit anacortesboatandyachtshow.com. Thank you for listening to Trawler Talk, the podcast of Passage Maker Magazine, a long-range cruising authority you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor and go ahead and click that five-star rating. We would really appreciate it. And if you're not a subscriber to Passage Maker, it's easier than ever to get our magazine delivered to wherever you lay your head. Just go to passagemaker.com slash subscribe. This episode of Trawler Talk features post-production from Nate Gruca at Active Interest Media. For Passage Maker Magazine, this is Editor-in-Chief Jeff Moser. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, fair winds and safe travels.